Toy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. Welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. Hi, I'm Trent, and it is wonderful to have your company today for episode one, two, one. This week on Toy Power, we hit up the latest news. We then jump into a vintage toy line retrospective on Swamp Thing. And finally, we round out with the best modern toys. Joining me today in the Toy Power studio, we have Darren. Hello, one and all. Thank you for joining us. Ben. G'day, g'day. And Frank. Well, hoi, hoi. All right, let's get into some news. Three, two, one. Cue music. So what have you got for me? She's got a new hat. We're going to start this one off with Game of Thrones, and we are talking mm. the TV series, the HBO series, season eight it's done. has it's dropped. Done. It's done. All six episodes mm. of the long-awaited two-year hiatus <laughs> is now all revealed. I, I feel like you're holding back here, Trent. Well, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but <laughs> the for many of you who are Game of Thrones fans, you will know that George R. R. Martin only got up to book five. And the showrunners, D&D, as they refer to them, D.B. Weiss and um, ben, Bennyhoff, have had to basically write a lot of the finale-type season. So really, the departures probably started from season six, yeah. but then really ramped up because season seven and season eight had no source material of Martin's. Mm-hmm. And I think if season seven was a bit iffy, season eight highlighted a couple of things. <laughs> One... The, the pace that they had to try and get to the end meant that a lot of the character development that they spent all that time yeah. on was rushed. Was break, breakneck speed compared to the first five seasons that were yeah. really slow character building stuff. This was uh, at the other extreme, to be honest. And some of that was jarring, I think, because you put the two together. I get that they wanted to wrap it up, and I commend writers and showrunners for... Not trying to, you know, milk things. I, I do like the approach of trying to wrap it up, but I think in this case, they went too hard at it. The other thing for me, okay. some very crazy scenes that, for my mind, they put in for pure shock value, that when you actually look back at them, you go, that's ridiculous. Mm. Like, for me, the big one was the ballistas, when, you know, <laughs> the ships come out of the King's Landing Bay, and you've got ballistas, like, rocket-firing projectile missiles or rail guns yeah. blowing apart ships that was just... The, the, the physics, I don't, I don't want to get... Yeah. You know, it's a fantasy, but the physics of those things was just way off. Yeah, and how yeah. do you hit a, a fast-moving target like a dragon swooping through the air? That's, that's not how physics works, It's right? not. <laughs> well, I saw a great meme uh, that was around for season for episode five which i think was sorry episode four Mm. and it basically had hawkeye his face (laughs) his face superimposed behind the the well yeah that's you're on Greyjoy, you know behind the ballista and then goes and now in season in episode five it had a stormtrooper yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) they just couldn't hit anything from then on i did see that that tracks i think for the biggest uh character arc that they just totally threw away his overall built-up personality was Greyjoy. I think they totally... All of a sudden, he's got emotion and things when he was said that he doesn't have... meant to have that. I mean, I miss Sunday... Uh, passing away. Oh, Grey Worm. Yes. Grey Worm, Get sorry. Grey yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, her passing away was obviously shocking and things, but like he just, he just, it was all about revenge yep. after mm-hmm. that. And yeah. Mm, yeah. So look, the, the episode six redeemed it somewhat for me, but really it, it, I'm hanging out now for the books uh, to continue yeah. the books. Uh, I've read all the books and, and, I guess at least now there's something in that that maybe he can tell it with a bit more yeah. finesse, uh, a bit more nuanced. 
And a potential spin-off, Aria of the High Seas, yeah. or Aria of the Caribbean, as I've been calling it. Exactly. So, there is, there I is would something watch that. there. Oh, I look. Would watch. She was wonderful. Yep. Like Her entire arc, she was one of the few characters that I thought had a fully fleshed arc and you understood where she was. She was at that thing where she was going to go kill Cersei and the Hound's like, nah, just get out of here. And she, she nodded and understood. I, yep. I loved her arc. I, I watched that all day. Yeah, no, it was very good. And I think they are doing a spin-off, but it is set a thousand a years yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in the past. So there we go. Game of Thrones has wrapped. Uh, a lot of funny memes if you want to go <laughs> online. It is, it is hilarious. Coffee cups and all the like. <laughs> there is some more big news on the Batman front. So we've had this rumor mill about Ben Affleck and what's he going to do. Uh, it's pretty clear now that Ben Affleck is out of the Batman role. And now casting is sort of getting to the business yeah. end around who's going to be in the next Batman solo film. There was a there was an article that came out and for about 15 minutes the internet kind of lost its mind because it was reported that Robert Pattinson, better known as Sparkly Vampire from the Twilight Saga, was cast. It was done. It was a done deal. And then, like I said, 15 minutes later, that story was walked back and it was the official line came as, oh, he's, been, he's in the running. Uh, him and uh, Nicholas Holt, who you probably recognise as... Beast from the current uh, X-Men line. Uh, they those are the two front runners, and it was very. Watching the internet react to that was hilarious. Yeah, I, I kind of just ignore these reactions these days. Pattinson, I think, would be would be great. I mean, obviously, you look to Twilight for his acting credentials, and and Batman and Twilight are probably very polar opposites mm. in a way. But there is a classic moment from one of the Batman Lego films where Pattinson pops up in a sparkly bat suit. Yep. Um, which, you know, references the rounds, obviously... The, yeah, so <laughs> yes. some, some very... I think Batman has a way of having these funny coincidences with new actors, but, having donned the, you know... You know, and it might have been a little bit before our time. Darren, no offence, mate, but Darren, maybe you can speak to uh, Michael Keaton when he was first cast as Batman. Like, that he was... The controversy. He, he was a... He was a, he was a like a was coming off Mr. Mom exactly yeah, as Mom. a comedian and he's a comedian yeah. he can't play Batman too and short yet you fast forward some 30 odd years and he's people the uh, people are now calling for him back let's get him yeah. back in he can be old Batman and all this sorts of stuff like so I think it's and then you you also look at the Heath Ledger when he was cast and oh, I know, certainly remember right? that yeah and it and Hathaway as um, yep, Selena Kyle it. or Catwoman as yeah. well I mean yeah. there's it's so yeah I'm not quite notorious worried. and obviously Ben Affleck yeah, Ben Affleck remember... was the best part of those movies. Yeah, but I think we remember that <laughs> yeah. reaction as True. well when that True. announcement came. People did not take that well. Yeah, and and yet as you said, you know, he he knocked it out of the park. Mm. So yeah, nothing's confirmed yet. That's just to clarify that as of uh, what are we Tuesday the twenty first here? Nothing is confirmed, but mm. yeah. But it does sound like we're getting very close to the nitty gritty. Yeah. They've narrowed it down to two. Should be should be announced pretty soon. Mm. I'm usually pretty relaxed with these sorts of things, and and I am now because I realise that those work those people working on these films see screen tests. They 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 run auditions. They're big corporations, big characters. They don't take chances. So I'm pretty pretty calm with with the choices that they make. That they'll know what they're doing. Yeah, and I always think these guys are actors. You know, they play different roles. They play mm. different characters. If you're worth your weight as an actor, That's you should be able to play yep. a role. You're not necessarily... I know some actors probably do get typecast and are very good at playing the same roles. But really, they'll do all the screen tests, like Darren said, and they'll make sure he can perform to an appropriate standard. Mm. So I'm not... I'm personally not worried. I think both would be fine choices. Yeah. All right, we did get some exciting news during the week on a new Lego set featuring the Stranger Things house. Now, this is one of the crazier builds I've ever seen because it not only has the house, but it also has a replica version of the house in the upside down underneath the house. And when I saw this thing, it was floating around our Patreon page. I'm looking at it and going, but how does it stand up? And someone pointed out, well, it's the trees. The trees the in the branches, upside down, yeah. the branches form a base. And this thing 
is huge. I think it's well over 2,000 pieces, 2,287 to be precise. Comes with eight minifigures, comes with Hopper's police car. <laughs> it is sensational. It's got light-up features yeah. oh, to recreate yes. the, the light-up Christmas lights yep. letters yeah. you've, you've in got season all, one. You've got all the boys there, but you've got the Demigorgon, which yep. is just amazing. Oh, he looks so and good. like you've got the flower open-head Demigorgon, yes. and then when you take that open head off, there's a closed-faced regular oh. uh, round minifigure head on there with the sculpt yep. of the, the painted uh, closed demigordon um, head. head. It's just amazing. It's like, brilliant. It's, it's pure genius. And it, the advertising was sensational as well. They did a clip like it was out of the 80s, like an 80s style advertisement. And then they say something, you know, they, they show all the details and they go, you can even flip it upside down. And it sort of cuts yeah. and goes a bit crazy and Static like, oh, I don't know what happened yeah. there. <laughs> so very, very, very cool set. Anyone interested to pick up Stranger Things Lego? I, I'd love it, yeah. but the price tag, uh, I think it's yeah. going to be about that $300 mark. Oof. So yeah. I don't think we'll get it. Even my uh, re wants it. Uh, right. so, but yeah, I don't think it's... Uh, what about yourself? I'd be very tempted. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next thing we want to talk about was the Watchmen TV show has had its first trailer released. TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, that TikTok theme. I love the TikTok theme, I have to say. Uh, Obviously, the Doomsday Clock featuring in the Watchmen story arc is a big theme Mm. as they move the hands closer to midnight, closer to Armageddon. And that theme definitely came through with these vigilantes yeah, by the it, looks it, of it. It's sort of like a Hail Hydra sort of yeah. style thing, like, hey, TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Yeah. TikTok. Yeah. I love, I love. But it doesn't give anything away. No. Like, it, it's totally different. Everyone's wearing that Rorschach mask yep. and uh, chanting in church, sort of, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, goth style. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, it just looks amazing. And it gives nothing away and leaves all these questions. And I'm so keen to check it. I'm pumped it's very interesting because this is sort of cult style so yeah, that's cult. what i was trying yes, to think yeah, yeah. it is that cult style this is very much it's, it's not necessarily a sequel to watchmen no they've sort of said it takes place in the universe of watchmen mm-hmm. so i'd be very interested to see well, how they it's go it's got ozzy mandera ozzy um, uh, yeah, yeah in it as sort of hover t- uh, sort of meditating yes. off the ground so uh mm-hmm. if he's in it it should be around that sort of era Yep, uh, that the Watchman has taken place, and that's the only other character aside from the many people wearing the Rorschach mask yes. that you recognise. Yes, so. exactly right. Mm. All right, I did look a bit at the casting news, and I know DC has integrated Watchmen into their current comic series, yep. and I did pick up some figures. In fact, there were six figures released in two packs. You could get Rorschach, you could get Ozymandias, you could get the comedian. And I think Doctor Manhattan, but it came with two new characters, which were the Mime or Mime and Marionette. And I believe both Mime and Marionette are also in the casting news for this. Oh. So maybe there's okay. a bit of a link to the the comic book arc. Yeah, right. So very very interesting. There's that thing they shoot down the the ship or something, and it goes into the trees. You don't really see much, but that could be the owl's yes. uh, ship. I don't know. Ooh, exactly. I don't want to speculate, yeah. but yeah. Uh, there's yeah. Nice. Should be very, very yes, good. Yes. All right. I want to give a quick update and shout out to Snake Mountain. This is the huge playset. It towers over Castle Grayscale. It is being released, hopefully, if Super 7 get enough pre orders in the month of May. Interestingly, just to round it out, it is a $600 item and to ship it. From China to the US, it's another $150. So you're talking a $750 delivered to your door US dollar item. We're sitting here on the 21st of May recording this episode and no news yet on the cost of international shipping. Yeah. I believe like you can get this if you wanted to, like if you're desperate to order this right now, you could jump onto Big Bad Toy Store and pay $800 US, $200 <laughs> markup to get this thing. I've heard people in international locations like South America have put in the shipping calculation and it is spitting out $1,500 to ship it. Oh, what, so, just for shipping? Well, from Big Bad Toy oh, Store, because okay, this thing okay, is okay, just okay. enormous, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it would so have to sh- I guess the factory in it would have to ship to them from from the China factory, I'm guessing, yes. to Big, Big yep. Bad Toy Store, and then ship yep. out yeah, to whatever yeah. country they're in, um, whereas I believe Super 7 it ships directly from... From China, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, has me very, very anxious that we're on the twenty, um, twenty first of May today. In fact, I think I had 
I know I had a conversation with Trent today talking about just how nervous I currently am that you know So you're nervous because you're in and you wanna you wanna you you wanna see the price first? Yeah, I wanna know the price. I wanna yeah. know the price. Yeah. I reckon I'm in, but I'm I'm scared that there's gonna be no days in May left. Uh, it's, look, yeah. it's the, I love Super 7. I thought our interview with Brian Flynn was amazing and he uh, opened my eyes to a lot of his way of thinking and mm. things. But this is not cool. This is not cool that they haven't done international shipping yet. Uh, they will, they have to, yeah. extend the, uh, yeah. the uh, date because if they don't have shipping for half the world, that could be the other 45% waiting to mm-hmm. fill up in, in a couple of weeks, yeah. two or three weeks, could with uh, open it up to international fans. Uh, that could fill up the pre-orders and you got 100% plus uh, on Snake Mountain. But the fact that it's gone 21 days now and they haven't done it yet, three weeks, um, it's not cool. That is not good business ship in my books that they've put out this pre-order and three weeks on have not sorted shipping for half their fans, if not, you know, uh, a a large percentage of that. Mm. Yeah, I think at this rate... The extension is a given. I think it'll yep. be between one and two weeks that this will get extended. And I think they will need that to get over the line. I know Brian said that a lot of the orders come in on the last two days, and I'm sure that's accurate. So he's feeling quite confident. But you're going to have to give international fans enough time to digest yeah, the shipping costs. The whole costs point of the pre-order Particularly is that you've got if, that extra time. Yeah. And now that's been chewed up because they don't have accurate numbers out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Particularly if they have underestimated the cost of shipping as... as fans mm. and are basically waiting to get paid again to make up the difference. Mm, exactly. That could happen. All right. Final piece of news. This is very exciting for us here in the Toy Power studio because something big is happening in Adelaide. It's not often <laughs> we can say that, no, but something big is happening here, but it is what's happening here, Frank. We are the new Mortal Kombat film is officially being filmed in Adelaide, and this is by far the biggest production that the state has ever seen. They're estimating that it's going to produce 500-plus jobs. Uh, I've got friends of mine who are actors, you know, sort of part-time and whatever, and they are just losing their minds over this because even just to be as a... Uh, an extra in a throwaway scene and something that has potentially got a, a massive worldwide audience is, is huge for them. I've seen emails going around saying, email these people your photo and, and your interests and, and bang, you might just be you know in a crowd scene somewhere. So yeah, the, uh, the funny part about that is I did notice they announced just the other day their premiere date when, it, when the film is scheduled to come out, which is the 5th of March in 2021. If that sounds familiar to you, it's because the Master of the Universe movie is also set to debut on that exact same day. And I can see Darren's face right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel good about this at all. <laughs> well, let's go. Well, forget the, the politics of, you know, which movie will, you know, win the box office and all that. I want to know. I want them both to do well. I know, I know, but and I know Darren's answer. But if you had to choose on that first day, which one are you going to go see, Darren? Give us your obvious answer. It'd be a tough call. <laughs> I'd hope to see. I'd hope to see both on the same day, but I'm going to have to say it could only be one. Masters of the Universe. Okay, Trent. I would going? see Masters first, unless your good self Frank is in Mortal Kombat, in which case I'd see that first. <laughs> well, that, see, you make I a would. valid point, Trent. That could be a game changer. <laughs> or Davey. You might know yeah. half the crowd. I mean, it's Adelaide, right? Well, think about place. the wrestling community that we're sort of attached oh, to and Sean Fuster and his yes. mate Tyler, those guys that we had on the show, and someone like Tyler with his build, you mm. know, the physique of some of those those wrestlers. Absolutely. They could certainly be, be a good a fit. Go. Yeah. Mm. Frank, what are you? What's uh, your. I'm, I'm going to see Mortal Kombat only because I think. I I think Masters has a a big enough global audience. Maybe not necessarily here in Australia, but I think it's got a bigger global audience than Mortal Kombat, to be fair. Because because there's been such a... Whilst there have been Mortal Kombat games every other year come out, I think people are just hanging for this Masters movie more. So I'm going to go see the one that I think will perform not as well. I'm going to say something controversial because everyone knows how I love Masters. My my turn first. Hang on. I'm going to see Mortal Kombat on the day of its release because I would have already seen Masters uh, the pre-date that it would have (laughs) released. uh, Would have got a pre-release. One other thing, though. 2021, and they're already talking about where they're filming Mortal Kombat and such. And their Masters of the Universe movie, they're still chatting about who's going to be the actor and who's going to be He-Man. So I think, in all honesty, Mortal Kombat will come and go on March the 5th, 
2021 and masters will still be to be fair in in australia and particularly south australia we're going to hear a lot more about the production of mortal kombat we're going to have the premiere coming out and talking about it we're going to hear yeah. things we're not going to hear the premiere coming out and talking about masters unless it's shot here it was pretty funny to hear like you know that the most senior politician in our state Use utter the words Mortal Kombat in a positive light because yep. normally it's all, oh it's violence for kids and computer games blah, blah, blah. and he's he was or not be talking about, about or not Kombat. be talking about a party room meeting. <laughs> but, um, oh, wonderful! But yeah, I, I'm surprised that you said that Mortal Kombat would be the um, Masters would be the bigger property. I would have thought probably I just just looking because at it objectively, it, it'd be Mortal Kombat because it's brand recognition alone. As a current property, I would think. Would, I just yeah. think there's been such a big gap for Masters fans, and we've we've heard about this movie being in pro- supposedly produced for the last ten years. That when it comes out, it's going to be fever pitch. Mortal Kombat will have its audience, and I hope it does quite well. I hope they both do well, but yeah, I reckon that the Masters one will do better overall. I can't wait for a bit of maybe. Days video graveyard Ooh. crossover for some Mortal Kombat and some Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh. Maybe we'll get out the scotch for Annihilation oh, and turn it into to, a drinking you game. You have to because oh, we'll 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 Super cross that bridge messy. when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's head into our next segment. Today we are talking about Swamp Thing by Kenner that hit the shelves in 1990. Kenner, I just have to start with a bit of a background on, just let's get familiar with the time that Swamp Thing came out so we can get a bit of a feel for what was happening in the marketplace. So Kenner does make some very, very nice quality toys. I mean, you just have to think about Star Wars and what an iconic hit that was the quality of the toys play sets and vehicles that we got for that just look at superpowers the superpowers collection an absolutely wonderful line beautiful colors beautiful quality of figures cloth goods in there and all the vehicles that came with that action features a plenty each character had its own action features and things like batman the animated series which were just absolute beautiful sculpts very screen accurate so kenner to me always is synonymous with quality and really they've done some toys that have become icons of the toy industry Mm. but what's really interesting about companies like kenner and the time period they existed in was that for every big hit they had there was also lines that didn't do so well and concepts that never really took off with the mainstream in the same way as some of these really big properties so before i get into swamp thing I just want to give a sense of the scene that was around in the late 80s. So picture this. Star Wars is gone. Gone from the shelves. 82, we we had Jedi and the the power of the Force line sort of wound up and lingered and then was clearanced. We had Masters, the juggernaut that was finished in 1987. Same two superpowers. And then the next thing we've got is Bat Fever. Bat Mania is going to hit in 1989 with the new Michael Keaton Batman film. We've got Jack Nicholson in there. We've got all the hype of seeing Batman rejuvenated from his 66 roots. And Kenner is nowhere to be seen on the licensing front for Batman. That has gone to Toy Biz. The other big thing, if you think 88, we've got late 88, the release of Playmates, Ninja Turtles in the US. And then that Turtles Fever comes in and hits in a big way in 89 those toys are virtually on the top of every child's mm-hmm. wish list kids are going into the sewers to try and find the <laughs> turtles it's pandemonium in toy sh- toy stores and it's in that environment that kenner gets a hold of swamp thing right so i just you have to put it in that context well when right? you put it like that sure like <laughs> and it was it was it's... They, they went out into the murky woods and found a swamp and they called that yeah. <laughs> yep that's it, where they met DC to do, do the hash out the licensing <laughs> deal it, out in the swamp. It sounds ridiculous when you when you phrase it with everything that was going on at that time. You sort of sit there and go, "Who who who green lit this? Like who who okayed this line? It's incredible." Well, you know they were green lighting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A few years True. later, they would green light Toxic Crusaders from yep. the Toxic Avengers film. Robocop had been green lit around that time. Yeah, so it is it is that very point where you are taking horror concepts i mean 
This is really a, a DC, really a Vertigo property. Mm. It's a horror franchise. The movie, which we'll talk a little bit later, that came out in 1982 by Wes Craven, mm. had nudity <laughs> and violence yeah. in it. So this is this is where it's coming from. But, right? but you had, I mean, we'll talk about it later. But you had brilliant writing from Alan Moore, Alan Moore uh, yes. you know, yeah, doing the comics true. books. So like you had a staple there that this was a hit, so yep. to speak. So e- exactly quality writing. Kenner did some product testing with kids in the age demographic of six to twelve, and interestingly, they gave them three toys to play with. Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, and Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. And Swamp Thing was the big hit, according wow. to the Kenner research. Okay. So not always does you know having the toys in front of you translate with all the other hype that's going on. And clearly, Turtles was the winner in the real world. But mm-hmm. that's just interesting to see how well it tested. They sunk a lot of money into the research and development for Swamp Thing. Purportedly, $6 million dollars in development costs to get this line. Wow. And it is a wonderful line. We'll talk a little bit about the quantity of figures. So some really nice figures, vehicles, and in fact, two play sets. But before we get into that, who here remembers the Kenner toy line from their childhood? No. Uh, I, yes. I, I don't remember. All I remember is that, you know, movie and things, I, that sort of thing. That I knew the comic books were around. I knew he was sort of... Uh, a character in the comic books, DC. Uh, once I started reading Watchmen and things, Alan Moore, you know, ooh, what else does Alan Moore do? So mm. Swamp Thing was up, you know, the top end of the list and things, but I never knew there was, I'll be honest, I never knew see the ca- cartoon and I didn't really know about the toys either. Yep. But that was, uh, yeah, you know, where my mindset was turtles and then later on aliens and things. So my horror aspect sort of bypassed that completely. Yeah. Now, look, for me, by that stage, it was full turtle mania, so I had no room in my life for any other uh, sewer or swamp-based creatures, to be honest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, I never collected the line, nor did I see the cartoon, but I do remember seeing the toys on shelves in stores like John Martin's at Elizabeth, um, a few venture stores. I saw it around the place, and I was completely aware that it was Kenner and, and what they were doing with it and, and thought they looked really cool. Obviously, it harkened back to a size and sculpt around other DC lines, superpowers and, and, you know, Batman things that had gone on historically at that time, Dark Knight collection, things like that. But, yeah, I just have fond memories of of the card art, really. Mm. Well, it was a quality toy line, perfect combination of superhero and monster. We got 12 figures all up, three vehicles and a whopping two playsets. Although they're not huge, they are a, a decent size and with packed full of play features. So very achievable if you're a kid to collect this line and also for adults now trying to piece it together. The toys are not based on the comics or movies, but as Ben, we were talking before the the screening, they look exactly like the animation. Clearly the animators of the cartoon had these models in front of them when they were animated. Especially the vehicles and things, they were um, like for like. You can pick up the toys and uh, look at them and then watch the cartoon and all the colours are the same. The vehicles are amazing. Uh, I was really uh, big respect in that. Uh, aspect because you look at turtles transformers uh dino riders you name it all of them have uh, subtle to extreme differences mm-hmm. from uh the animation to the toys and i was super impressed that uh the swamp thing was very ac- screen accurate to the toys so uh yeah big respect yeah now beautifully done swamp thing had six variants including four unique sculpts And each figure had its own brilliant action feature, much like superpowers. And we'll talk a little bit about its connection or purported connection to superpowers. It's so much so that people have speculated that even the bio-glow swamp thing was actually one of the cancelled, unreleased figures in superpowers. We get snare arm swamp thing, snap up swamp thing, the glow in the dark bio-glow swamp thing. There's color changing camouflage swamp thing, capture swamp thing and climbing swamp thing. And normally you might go, oh, that's a few too many Swamp Thing variants, but they all have wonderful action features. And like I said, a lot of them are unique sculpts. We also got two other good guys. They're human allies, Bayou Jack and Tomahawk. And then four of the evil unmen, including the main bad guy, Anton Arcane. It's unfortunate how all these bad guys have sort of evil sounding names, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Skin Man, Dr. Demo and Weed Killer. Skin Man's essentially like a... 
a zombie. He, no, I, I, uh, to me, he looked like a vampire, like a really that really nineteen forty yeah, yeah. uh, okay. vampire uh, that was so so thousand thousand years old yeah. that he was didn't look like a human anymore. Yes. He looked sort of that like that monster. Um, like almost that universal monster. Yeah, style. not uh, what's his name? Not um, not Dracula. No, not Dracula. Before Dracula. Yep. Uh, yeah, that pre-Dracula look. Yep. And they are cool. And what? And they had glow not, in the not, dark. Nostrafan- eyes. Not Nostra- Nostramu. No, yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yes. Exactly the yes. face sculpt. Yes. You're spot on. Yep. yep. Um, they had glow in the dark eyes, which was really cool. But the bad guys had. I don't know if you guys remember those wobbly things you'd put on your fingers, like finger puppets, mm. oh, yeah, and they yeah. were like yep. monsters. They came with these masks that were basically like a version of a, a finger puppet, creepy crawly monster, and yeah. you'd put it on the head, and it could transform the unmen into essentially a, a monster. <laughs> so that was sort of the gimmick, and they were they were almost a figure in their own right. These little um, attachments, mm. so a very very cool feature for the baddies. Um, like I said, did they all had those glow in the dark dark eyes, and which really added to that sort of monster feel. Were the non-Swamp Thing characters, were they in the original comics, in the Alan Moore stuff, or is that purely from the animation uh, side of things? I think it's just animation, but I'm not sure. They, they did have, you know, good guys. Um, so you're not, not 100% okay. sure whether they were just created essentially for the toy line. But but probably there's some some basis for them. So, yeah, Swamp Thing had a bog rover, a marsh buggy, and Arcane had his Bayou Blaster. And then we got the two playsets, and these are really, really cool. There was Swamp Thing's Swamp Trap, which is essentially, if you can picture, sort of Dagobah. It sort of looked like that. It's almost like a swampy mountain. And it had an elevator in it that you could put Swamp Thing in and basically lift him up, and he'd come out of this foam, this foam uh, sort of cut would, would open up into, yeah. like, you know... And he'd pop out of the swamp. He's rising from the swamp. Yeah. It had a tree. It had a Venus flytrap that could eat figures. <laughs> like, just packed full of play features. So that was really, really cool. And you also had the Transducer playset, which was essentially the cousin to the Remco Monsterizer. So if you can think about those sort of Frankenstein's monster, that sort of create-your-own-monster mm. laboratory style of playset. So this was a dungeon-like base with a rotating lab table you had your green liquid full of monster juice and it even came with a a pack-in figure of a mutated giant insect figure right so this is every kid's dream to get one of these sort of play sets um darren i know you wanted to talk about the links to sort of the superpowers line yeah there's been uh, a lot of stuff said over the years a lot of stuff printed around historical links around Swamp Thing and whether he was originally intended to be part of the unproduced Wave 4 of Superpowers figures. I know there's there's been some articles that have come along since then that have brought that into question. I guess one of the things that becomes incredibly apparent to me is whatever the case is with with this Swamp Thing, this, this Kenner line, Swamp Thing line, gives us whether it was a, whether it was a carryover version of a unproduced superpowers figure or whether it's the same thing it gives us a in scale articulated in the same way effectively a Kenneth superpowers swamp thing yeah that's... and and i think that's just great how how one line can follow another and almost expand a universe whether it be intended that way or whether it be something that was left over or whether it just fuel a child's imagination mm, yeah very cool this one did have a cartoon so if you're going to give it the treatment as you did back in the 80s or 90s you did try and pull out a cartoon and look for this i couldn't actually believe this was the theme song i thought it was a ripoff which it kind of is this is the real swamp thing theme song swamp thing Amazing. You meant everything. That's it. Is it swampy? Not swampy. Wait for it. Swampy. I really need you. I came in bad for sure. 
And now Swamp Thing makes the heart sing into toy collectors all over the world. Swamp Thing! You are amazing! <laughs> uh, and with any luck, uh, we haven't caused Does Tend to Crash His Car like um, <laughs> uh, she reported. Yeah. So, did, what are so. some of the lyrics? Swamp Thing, you are amazing. Swamp Thing, you are amazing. You fight everything nasty? Yeah. yeah. Nasty! Nasty! nasty. Yeah. That yeah. is, that's incredible. The fact <laughs> they were it, allowed to do that, it right? writes itself, or didn't get, or didn't get caught. More of the point. <laughs> surely, surely. How, how many episodes did they get to? They got to five. Five. Yeah, they so, just uh, might not. They just might not have a lawsuit from a, a record label. Well, I think you know Ben watched an episode. He said, "Look, it's it's hard to watch." Yeah. Um, but you know, credit to them replicating the toys so well. Um, Don Franks. If you've heard of the name of the voice actor Don Franks, he played Anton Arcane, and I learned something. Not only did Don Franks also voice Boba Fett in both the Star Wars Holiday Special and Droids and Ewoks, hmm. he is voice credited for Dr. Claw, and we all know oh. Frank Welker also had a credit for Dr. Claw. So maybe he took over in later seasons. I couldn't find out a lot. Sometimes I have a secondary that. actor if yeah. someone's not available uh, okay. um, that they'll just bring in. Yep. used to happen a lot with the Fred Wolf Turtles cartoon. Mm. So, yeah, there you go. The, but very cool. He's <laughs> he's essentially the first voice of Boba Fett we ever got. Mm. So, so nice. But he plays Anton Arcane, who is, uh, like I said, the main villain, who is really responsible for Alec Holland's transformation into Swamp Thing. For those of you who don't know the story, basically, Alex had a, has a lab... And there's a fire, and I think he catches on fire, runs into a swamp, and that there were chemi- the there were chemicals, chemicals involved. Always yeah. chemicals involved. Always yeah. chemicals, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Arcane is backed up by his gang of unmen, Doctor Demo, Weed Killer, and Skin Man, and Swamp Thing has his friends Tomahawk and Bayou Jack. So very similar to what we got in Troma's Toxic Crusaders. You get the animated style and trend of fairly goofy humour and anti-heroes with that horror vibe. And as we saw in, or as you heard in the intro, the spoof of the the Trog's wild thing. <laughs> um, movies. Swamp Thing has had two movies, would you believe? Two. two I only movies. knew of one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this one thing is Return of Swamp Thing. Yeah, something <laughs> that, that is correct. And the return of Swamp Thing basically gets one line in Wikipedia saying there was a sequel. <laughs> that's it. It, it exists. It exists. It's a thing. That's yep. all we want to say about it. Um, but yeah, look, and this is a time released in 1982 before, you know, probably after, well, definitely after Superman, the, the Richard Donner Superman, but really before superheroes got going in a big way. This is sort of that time where you get things like Howard the Duck and mm, all that sort of there. Yeah, yeah, weird. And, and it's done on a budget. I think the budget for this was two and a half million dollars and it looks it when you watch it. <laughs> it is very cheaply shot. It's done by Wes Craven, who would later go on to do a lot of horror um, and it is, it does, it is sort of violent, or I guess it is more adult. Interestingly, on the, oh, just quickly, it gets a sixty-seven percent Rotten Tomato score, so it's not that's, horrible. That's better than yeah. most of the Transformers movies. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's it like for its time, it was considered not a flop. Yeah, you know, yeah. it had enough meat to it. One one thing that was funny in August two thousand, Metro Golden Maya released the film on DVD in the United States, and they labelled it as PG. But inadvertently, they'd put the international cut on the film, which was the 93 um, version, 93 minute version with additional nudity and sexual content. <laughs> so it got Not it wrong. got complaints from a mum that rented it for a swamp for thing. Kids. You are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> you make um, everything groovy. <laughs> I uh, did see Swamp Thing appear in the 2007 directed DVD or Blu-ray film Batman and Harley Quinn. Yeah. He's in that teaming up with Poison Ivy, which makes a lot of sense. And I think you can't really talk Swamp Thing without talking about the comics. So 72 to 76, it had a 24-issue run uh, done by writer Len Wine. And then essentially it kind of petered out and Alan Moore was given the reins by DC. This is Alan Moore in his early days, so he didn't have a lot behind him. And he really, I mean, Alan Moore is a master writer and he really got sunk his teeth and gave some depth to Swamp Thing. Um, So if you're a fan of Moore... 
definitely go check out Swamp Thing. It did. He did change things up. He basically killed off Swamp Thing in a hail of bullets, oh. in and killed off a lot of the supporting cast and wrote them out mm-hmm. and changed the mythos. So before, when it was Alex Holland that was transformed into Swamp Thing, Moore was like, "Nah, Alex Holland died in the fire." And his consciousness was transformed to this mm, creature that was okay. just a plant-based creature mm. who thinks he's Alex Holland. So he did change cool. it yeah, um, right. quite a bit. And I think it's always... I remember getting the 2011 exclusive figure, um, San Diego exclusive version of Swamp Thing, and his bio very much reflected the fact, oh, they don't quite know what's happened, oh, you know, yeah. what, his, what his backstory was. One of the things Moore did in this, I think it was the first time it was done in a big way, was he went back to the back catalogue of all the DC characters and started referencing them to build his world. So these lesser-known DC characters he built in, something that Neil Gaiman would go on to do a lot in his world builders. And some of the characters that he created went on to become their own big characters in the Vertigo universe, so Sandman, Hellblazer, and the Books of Magic. So that they were spun off by characters that... More yeah, right. introduced yeah, well, in. Uh, Justice League Dark has got Swamp Thing. Um, what's his name? Cost- Constantine. Yep. All those characters. Yeah. So makes sense. And I mean, just yeah, sorry. I was Frank. just going to say he also appears in the Injustice Two fighting yes, game. Correct. He's actually one of the better meta characters in terms of online. He's you know quite popular because he's got some crazy. I think at one point he even has angel wings. Yes, that allow him to fly around the battlefield. And of course, yep. he can you know sink into the earth and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, so. no, very cool. Just a quick thing. I didn't know this, but um, Swamp Thing was the first comic to just disregard the American Comics Code Authority because uh, they had those, basically that, that a code. A double C or yeah, the a, a, C or something. The CCA. Yeah. Mm. And they put it under their banner of Vertigo. So Vertigo was really their adult mm. comics that yeah. just said, no, nope, do don't worry about want. the code. We're going to yeah. do adult content. We have talked in the past of the upcoming live action TV series that's going to hit DC streaming service. So that's very exciting. It definitely looks like it's got that horror vibe. And finally, we'll just finish on the toys. The vintage Kenner toys that we talked about today, they don't go for a lot. I've picked up a lot. I've got most of the figures, not all, but a lot, and I picked them up in a lot. But you can jump on and you'll get one mint on card for 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, easily $50 AUD. So they're not super expensive for something of that era. Um, loose ones wouldn't set you back much dollars. more. Yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah. you get yours for three dollars yep. there. Yeah, mm. so they're they're not expensive figures. Yeah, I've been looking online. They look really great. I mean, and the card art is exactly as I remember it from back in the day. It, it is very nice. Got that animated swampy in it. Um, like I said, 2011 Mattel did their San Diego Comic Con exclusive of, of Swamp Thing in the DC Universe Classics line. And this was a really unique figure. It is one of those ones where they put the articulation inside the figure and give him a rubber oh, exoskeleton. Okay. Not cool. sure what mine looks like today. He's just <laughs> degraded back into the swamp. Just a skeleton. <laughs> yeah, he's basically just a skeleton. But very cool. And I got I was in San Diego this year, the, in 2011, so I got the little unmen that were the pack-in oh, exclusive. Nice. So that was very cool. He actually came in a box that when you took the cardboard, you know, rectangular cardboard box, and inside was a Swamp Thing mask, and he sat inside that. So like a paper mache three-dimensional Swamp Thing mask that you could then <laughs> wow. use yeah. on your face. So very, very nice packaging, as wow. Mattel often does. Of course, you can get him as a pop vinyl. That's not saying a lot. But DC Collectibles is the main go-to if you want Swamp Thing figures. I think there's about three of them. We get an Icons version that comes with an Unman. And the deluxe version, Frank, as you were saying, with the mm. with the huge wings, so very very cool. Funnily enough, Swamp Thing has made it into the uh, Imagine Next toy line as well in a two pack with Batman. So that's that Batman wearing the hiking gear, the yes, camping gear. That's so right. yeah, so he comes that. And then I was looking at Imagine Next, and there's other versions of the Swamp Thing. So you got that brown muddy. Uh, bottom uh, version and the glow in the dark ones that sort of changing colors the cactus ones so there are a few different imagine x ones but that's that one that i you just called out the two-pack one is probably the most popular yep. and uh prevalent one that i've seen on Which shelves kind of crazy mm. to is, see Swamp thing has turned into a yeah. three-year-old's play toy for sure <laughs> um and then i also noticed him appear in the justice league action line 
he got a release here and you could get him in uh, Toy World here in the city and oh, I picked right. up a, a couple of Swamp Things. Do you know who he's voiced, acted by in the television series? No. Mark Hamill. Oh, wow. Really? Mark Hamill oh, does gosh. Swamp Things. So there you go. And it, it's not Mark Hamill putting on a, a monstery voice. Yeah. He's... It, Actually, sounds like Mark Hamill, which okay. is it's kind of a, a different take. He does sound like a good guy, you know. Yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Any final closing thoughts on Swamp Thing? Oh, he's pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> like... I'm I'm really psyched about this new TV series. Yes. I I honestly have to say I don't know much about Swamp Thing. Yeah. So I'm pretty psyched to see this horror esque uh, version on Netflix or whatever streaming service they put him out on. And uh, I hope it's good because um, I'm keen to learn more about the character. So, nice. All right, we'll wrap our vintage toy line retrospective. Does 10 shout out for you. I love the fact Does 10 only ever <laughs> puts his emoticon as Swamp Thing. Yeah. That's all he reacts Just with. Just applies so, to yeah, everything, right? It does. Like, Happy, sad, yep, angry. Yep. yep, the Swamp <laughs> Thing. Proud. All right, final segment we're going to look at today, and this is one that Ben proposed, and essentially I'll let you talk about it, but it's the modern toys that are damn near perfect. Yeah, so, I mean, with the modern landscape and things that uh, we live in, uh, toys are often reproduced and then five years later reproduced again and again and again, especially for the more uh, popular characters like Batman and and such and Spider-Man and things. There's, There's countless versions of them. So I decided what... You know, it's easy enough for we, we're a very nostalgic podcast, so it's easy for us to look back at Lions Light Swamp Thing and um, Masters Universe and remember the vintage, the where it all started. But where, what about the toys that are modern? Because there's a lot of collectors out there that collect modern toys. What are the uh, toy lines out there that we've collected and put into our collections that we're just like, wow, they'll never do, they'll never get this good. Uh, figure again like mm. this is just absolutely perfect the definitive you know? version yeah. of that of that character that might that, only be yeah. five or ten years old not it maybe yeah. even two years old you've just bought it and you'll be like damn this is this is yeah. amazing i'm so happy price point you know wise articulation wise paint apps all those uh, aspects um combined and you're just super happy to add it to your collection. So um, to kick it off, I chose uh, the Gremlins 2, the new batch spider gremlin figure from NECA. And to my knowledge, and I might be wrong, but to my knowledge, this is the only spider gremlin uh, toy ever released. Like no one else has ever even thought about producing a spider gremlin And there'd figure. be no point because you can't you top can't it. Beat it. That's <laughs> right. Can you? That's right. You can't. Amazing. There, you can't there was, top it. There was a very pitiful, what, you know, I use that in quotation marks, pitiful uh, vintage toy line of the gremlins. They were sort of all rubbery and very non-articulated and things. And NECA um, have been had this toy line franchise for many many years and they've just uh, grown better year on year producing a lot of the mogwais and a few of the basic gremlins and over the years they've added more articulation more paint apps and sort of gone to those oh you remember this character we're now doing it as a gremlin like the electricity gremlin and things so it's amazing to get the characters like the spider gremlin uh, because it is in my opinion uh perfect so initially released in 2013 with a regular retail price of about a hundred dollars i'm gonna say so i reckon i paid about 120 for mine and i bought mine in 2014 in a Sid- in sydney at a com- local convention that we were i was attending i was like looking around i like to buy something big when i attend these events and i looked around and i'm like nah i'm coming home with the spider gremlin i think that's just near perfect so it features over 30, I said that right, 30 points of articulation, including the eight massive spider legs that are articulated in three places each. When fully assembled, the spider gremlin stands over 10 inches tall and nearly 15 inches across and 12 inches deep. So he's a pretty big toy, especially sized up against uh, a regular um, six-inch uh, you know, f- action figure or even a mogwai of that same scale. He's, he's quite uh, an imposing figure. The figure also includes a support stand to help balance and display it in your desired poses. So uh, 
because the legs can't physically hold it up mm. because of the um, it'll just bend under its own weight. Uh, they've added this sort of stick mechanism to hold him up in the um, just underneath his uh, sort of belly, and they've done that the same aspect for the Alien Queen, which they later uh, released uh, part of the Aliens line. It only includes one accessory, and that is of course the beaker containing the spider formula, obviously seen in the movie that he drinks and then turns into the spider gremlin. So this is uh, the mohawk gremlin. So he's got that big, huge spike going down the back, which is just fantastic. Uh, the paint applications are some of the highest quality you, you see, you've ever seen on a NECA figure. Mm-hmm. It, it rivals sort of hot toys. Uh, the only aspect it's missing is actual material cloth, but it doesn't have anything like that. So it's it's as good as a miniature hot toy, in my opinion. I just uh, uh, love it. It's just amazing. I wouldn't change a thing about it. Uh, I just, um, uh, yeah, I've got nothing but praise for this figure. It, to me, looks like it, it's along the lines of a prop replica. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's done. That you could accurate. put that, you could take a photo of that and you wouldn't be able to tell it from the, with the right lighting and so forth. That would pass yeah. off as almost yeah. the prop. Well, type. I mean, and, and shout out to the, you know, photographing skills of the Fush and things like that who mm. do those sort of, um, masterful uh, photographing scenes with the uh, Gram- um, Mogwai uh, Gizmo wearing his karate, you know, yeah. uh, Rambo style uh, look, and uh, it's just insane. You, you don't know what's this, what's actually film real, and what's actually uh, the toy. Sometimes they've done it so well with a bit of smoke mm. and things just to hide some of that articulation, and it's just outstanding. Like I'm sitting probably about a meter or let's say three, three to four feet from this figure, and I cannot see the articulation. No. Yeah, it's like, so well. You hidden. know, it's there, but it's it's beautifully covered up and painted, and just looks yeah, prop prop ready. Like yeah, it's amazing. It's insane. And I'm looking at these spider legs, and under the first or second joint, they're almost these little hairs or these yeah, tiny little, bit, little yep. spikes. The sculpting, the amount of detail on the sculpting, is just insane. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Is the jaw That's... articulated? Yes, yes. So you can open and close is. the uh, jaw. <laughs> And uh, the eyes look almost realistic. Yeah. Uh, the hands can, that whilst the fingers aren't articulated, you can move the hands up and down uh, to a desired pose. He can hold this, the the uh, beacon, the beacon nice. uh, but um, yeah, I just like it resting on the ground, That's so to speak. So cool. Uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's it's pure love, pure love and passion. Yeah. Uh, you know, poured into a toy and released to the wide wide release, and it's been so popular. I think that they did a re-release on them a few years ago, so yeah. that another um wave batch, nice. uh, uh, the second batch came along. <laughs> the so, second yeah. batch, <laughs> the new batch. <laughs> That's right. Nice, Brilliant. Frank. What did you bring in? Well, everyone, when we sort of were floating this topic around, everyone was like, "Well, we we kind of need to like just." just a one line of what we're going to pick so we don't all end up picking the same thing. And the example Ben used in that was, of course, also from NECA, the uh, movie Turtles, most probably in the one-quarter scale in terms of uh, you know the quality of that product that they produce. And I was tempted. They are, in terms of we've just spoken about the movie accuracy and likeness of this gremlin, the Turtles are on par with that. But the one I've pulled out is... One of the more well-known Transformers, I've got him in a box here, but this is Masterpiece Grimlock. Because to me, of all the Masterpiece stuff, they tend to take some licenses with it where they want to try and make it look like the animation, but then also the toy at the same time. This kind of is the best of all of those worlds, and to me is the definitive version of Grimlock. Now, obviously the original G1 animation had a lot more smooth panels, so they've taken a bit of licensing with some you know, little rivets and, and panel lines and these sorts of things. Um, but his articulation is such that you can have him standing upright, as you would see a T-Rex, balancing on his tail, or you can actually, with the weight in the feet, you can have him leaning all the way forward. All the sort of articulation. Oh, I love those get. ratchet joints. Yeah. Joints. He's even got, if you open up his mouth, there's an articulated flamethrower yep. in his mouth that would you know he would use in the show. And when you open the jaw, there's a little button on the side. Uh, which side is it? That side? The snaps oh, the cool. uh, it's actually even got if you I'm not sure how I'm going to do it on this surface but if you press down in the middle the head bobs up and down so this is in dinosaur mode we're talking about he comes with and this is what the masterpiece line do really well a whole bunch of accessories there is a, a couple of really obscure as they do with this Japanese stuff there's a couple of really obscure G1 episodes one where for whatever reason and I can't tell you the storyline 
Grimlock is a waiter and he has a little bow tie and he's got a chef apron. Well, you get that in the bag and you can attach the bow tie to the front of Grimlock. And and the platter and yes. all the uh, uh, wine goblets and things. Yeah, it comes with a silver <laughs> platter that he can hold in his little baby T-Rex arms with, I think there's about seven or eight holes on there that actually the little... Um, they're tiny, tiny plastic uh, Co- cocktail glasses yeah, different and things. Sh- yeah, glasses of different shapes and sizes. And if you actually look at the animation cell, they're accurate. So if there's a big, you know, round blue one, you get a big round blue glass sort of thing to match it. Also, it comes with a uh, brain drain. Oh, there goes one of them now. A brain drain, sort of like suction cup thing that sits on his head. And this was uh, an episode where his consciousness or something got sort of sapped into another transformer that will sit on his head in dino mode and you can attach that to the other masterpiece of your choice but a couple of other things i want to point out you might notice this grimlock has blue eyes now that is show accurate but of course if you think of the original g1 grimlock that is he's got red eyes so you can actually flip the top up there's a little thing here where you can spin it around and now he's got the red eyes they've just thought of everything right I'm not going to transform it because it's just going to sound like a whole bunch of ratchets and clanking and stuff. The robot mode is perhaps where they've taken a little bit of liberties, again, when you think of that classic animation. But the eye change feature is exactly the same on the robot head. You, there's a little switch on the back that you can go from red to blue, depending on whether you want to go animation or you want to go toy accuracy. And it's just it's just amazing, right? There's also one of the accessories, of course, you get his famous double-barreled gun with the Energon sword. If you actually look, they have clear plastic in them on his right fist. There's a small button you press on the side that lights up. So in the end, you get a lit Energon sword with a, a red LED that comes blazing through it sort of thing. So it's just it's just gorgeous. That Grimlock, probably next to Prime and Megatron and these sorts, is probably one of the more popular characters in terms of how many toys from all the various lines there has been. But to me, you, you can't top this. Yeah, one thing I love about that toy is uh, the in um, robot mode he's got the clear chest plate just like the original G1, and he can look through the chest plate and he's got the Autobot symbol residing inside. Yes. And I just think that's attention to detail. Yep. That's things they don't have to do. That's fan service yep. 101. That yep. is just outstanding. Uh, Frank, is there anything? Two things. Cause, sorry, is there mm. anything you would change if you had to redesign Grimlock size? I'm I'm sort of uh, I think I think compared to the original MP1, because this was uh, MP8, if I recall, uh, sitting next to the original Masterpiece Prime, he was small. Yeah. Right. Well, you think of the show, Grimlock towered over just about everybody. I think with MP10 mold, they kind of addressed that, and yep. he's much more in scale. So I think if anything, but I still think he could be bigger. You look at the show, and Prime is literally looking up to look at Grimlock's eyes, whereas MP10 and this are pretty similar pretty close to the same sort of height so i'd probably you know if someone's going to do a ko of this and make it one and a half times bigger perfect in my opinion and my other question is can you transform it without using the instructions (laughs) uh yes i did i I did that last night the only bit i struggled with is the tail the tail sort of folds back in on itself to become his feet in that respect it's actually very similar to the g1 toy if you're familiar with how that transforms Yes, I can do it. Wow, impressed! I, I mean, that's, a, that's a high five right there. I've never attempted that. Cool. I can't. I could never transform any of the masterpieces no. without staring seventeen times at the instructions, <laughs> and that's that's seventeen times at each panel, and like re, you know, following my finger along. So that's respect. Yeah. I, and I can probably transform all of those G ones without looking yeah, in my yeah. yeah, but not not MPs. That's another no. that's another level. Yeah. No. In respect. Yeah. That's wild. Cool. So yeah, Grimlock Masterpiece is my pick. Trent, no. what have you got for us? I did think long and hard on this one and the the one that sprung to mind, Ben's just handing it to me, was Harley Quinn from the Suicide Squad movie. So this is the Margot Robbie version of Harley Quinn. And why this one was so in my mind when Ben said pick the definitive version was Harley Quinn got so many figures in the day in this likeness, in this version. And, you know, there was a DC multiverse version, which you just can't put side by side with this thing because it, it makes her look like a cartoon character. <laughs> um, it is an amazing likeness. There's just, it comes with two extra heads so you can get, Three heads in total, you can get every pose you, or every facial expression you want. 
splitting likeness to Margot Robbie. They've done something akin to face print on there. It is beautifully done. The ponytails are all articulated, oh, so you can move them along. Nice. You've got double jointing here on the elbows, so you can get some really nice posing and there. And you can barely see that. You yeah. can barely yeah. notice the double jointing. Well, so would you say it. that's more of a five-inch yeah, figure? or then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it probably is. I wouldn't call it six-inch. It's, it's but that's probably... also proportional to her female stature yeah. versus maybe one of the to- the uh, more um, taller males. Mm. Yes. So she's probably close to a four and a half inch. But, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get the scale. I haven't measured yeah. her, but she definitely isn't six inch, like not no. close. But I reckon she'd be she'd be around five inches. Yep. So yeah, I mean, again, you might you might pick on scale, but I, I love the. The detail, you've got all the writing on the back of the jacket. You've got the daddy's little monster there on the front. You've got the rips. And really, like, I don't think, and this, you know, just to point out the, uh, the, the ass for a better term, <laughs> um, like her backside is actually sculpted nicely. There's no, there, there, there is no sort of ridiculous joints getting in the way of that. And they've clearly gone with an aesthetic there to get to get the buttocks. Clearly studied at the movie. They very, have, Very yeah. closely. Yep. That ass. <laughs> hip paws all day now, long. <laughs> and like, we've got to sculpt this right. Now my, <laughs> now, my question to you, Trent, so you have a Hot Toys version of this Harley Quinn as oh, well, do you? Yep, I do have so a Hot how Toys does, How does this, um, what, what's the, you know, price? Which right? one's got $70 the better <laughs> Seventy dollar would that be right? Seventy dollar yeah, SH figure. This is a seventy dollar sort of figure versus the three hundred and fifty dollar figure. Oh, so how does it compare? Oh look, I guess I wasn't. I didn't want to bring hot toys no, into no, the no. equation. No. Um, look, very good for this scale. Yes. Yep. Um, hot toys is amazing. Of course, because but, it, you've got the uh, uh, taking away, not just looking at the sculpture and things like that. Obviously, uh, hot toys have the um, material yep. aspect, so you, therefore you can change your jacket and things like yes. that. Uh, you know, proportion wise, I think it's absolute value for money. Mm. You know, uh, it's she scales better with half your other toys. Yep. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's a, a massive win. In my books, uh, and I will point out the figure Trent is holding is uh, open. It's not in the box. Yeah. So, do you so have a second one in the box? I don't. Oh. No. <laughs> this comes in not a blister card, but a window box. Okay. So you can actually open it and keep the packaging. So I'm fine with that. I just want to point out a couple more things. The the bracelets that she's got, like a full on pointy spikes, mm. absolutely beautiful detail on those. And she has the gun holster sitting in the jacket, which you can fit the gun into. Nice. So beautiful attention to detail. It comes with the baseball bat that says good night. And um, the gun, I think it's just a, an absolutely marvelous figure. And now that I've got this this version, you know, that would be my definitive five to six inch scale Perfect. Harley yep. figure. And you know, I mean not not to degrade the multiverse figure because that's a different market, different price point, mass market toy. But you know, it, it it looks like a cartoon character compared to this. This looks like the actual movie version. It looks like figure. a Hot Toys version shrunk down into yeah, into essentially, yeah, absolutely, it, it, absolutely yeah. incredible. Wild, and she stands with those little big yeah. high stilettos that she's wearing. I'm I'm amazed that she stands so well. She stands perfectly. Yep. You know, doesn't fall over. And the the one thing I'll give this over the Hot Toys version is the Hot Toys version has the open mouth and she's kind of, I think, looking to the side, if, I, if I'm remembering that correctly. And it probably isn't maybe the definitive look I'd go for if I was going for the face. Still a beautiful look, mm. but if I had one choice of face, I think if you look at there, one of the alternate heads well, is the here, open mouth Here, you've got version. three choices. That's yeah, exactly right. Exactly. So I've picked the face that I really want. So that, that's Hot Toys for the Harley, I reckon I could improve it by having the second head, yep. having mm. a different head or having the movable eyes so I don't yes. have to have it looking yeah. to the yeah. side. Maybe move her ponytail and that moves her eyes or yeah, something. something like that. <laughs> because my Batman has movable yes. eyes and, yes. and Joker yeah. has movable eyes. But yeah. that, that to me is perfect. Fantastic. Cool. Darren. So I bought over the laser power He-Man from the Maddie Collector Master Universe Classics um, laser power He-Man versus laser light skeletal two-pack. Uh, the reason why I chose that, it's not to say that Laser Power He-Man is necessarily the definitive He-Man or necessarily tops other versions of He-Man that have come out. But for me, what, what really sold this in terms of... It, to me, it's just a perfect update of the vintage Laser Power He-Man figure. It fills a gap for many, many people that will never 
never own a laser vintage laser power He-Man figure um, due to cost and availability and scarcity. And I just don't see... I look at this figure and I think that they've perfectly updated it. It blends in perfectly with classics, with everything else in that line. I see no reason for Super 7 or Mattel or anyone else to go back and do another laser power He-Man because I, I just think this is this is a pretty pretty near flawless update of of the vintage one that the sword lights up it um is a really good sculpt they've they've deliberately gone for the the head sculpt closest to or well, the second head sculpt from the vintage yep. one rather than the, the toy based one more of the Dolph, Dolph line. yeah more of yeah. the Dolph. and i think that's a nice touch because that was the one that was more widely available of the two and also the one that's probably more well known due to the time frames of of when that vintage laser power figure was released so i think you know you know as someone who, who's dug deep into the vintage line and, and got you know that that you know a lot of that really obscure stuff i still really appreciate whenever maddie went back and they did the giants they did they did stuff that was suddenly made accessible to to anyone at a really fair point and wasn't too long ago. It was only earlier this year that these were um, actually on clearance on Big Bad Toy Store's site as well. So they're really quite been quite accessible for quite a long while from a number of different channels. And I've got to give Mattel f- full marks for that. So you're saying your favourite modern He-Man is a variant? No, is I'm not. I'm saying us? I'm saying I see Darren no. loves variants. I'm not. I'm not saying that at all. I'm <laughs> saying there's the way I interpreted Ben's <laughs> Ben's question was. That's like saying is I know, I that's know. like saying we 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 that version of big that's like Frank's saying, got a big stick and he's stirring a pot. That that is like um saying Trent, do you prefer that version of Harley over the Kenner animated series that was your first ever Harley? You know, it, it it's it's a totally different thing. It's my favourite laser power he man that's come out in the last Ten years, put it that way. <laughs> put it that way. To be the only one. <laughs> but uh, and I, I see no reason for it not to um, for it not to be done. If I were to say what was my favourite modern He-Man, I would probably say it's a really tough call. But I'd probably say it's actually probably the Toys R Us two pack He-Man, just simply because I, that to me reminds me more of he, he didn't come with a sword. He didn't come with a sword, <laughs> but he's got the red boots and and the things that. I'm closer aligned with what my vintage He-Man was always like, whereas the classics He-Man Maddie version had the brown boots, which you know I never had the brown boots as a kid. So, so for me, it just lined up. That's my fault. I shouldn't have joked yeah. about Masters. I know. That's, that, seriously, that's so it. true, Frank. <laughs> Masters Universe is no laughing matter. <laughs> Right. Oh. I think we'll finish this off I with Swamp so. Thing oh. is amazing. We did have some new patrons join us since our last recording. So very, very well, warm welcome to Daryl Christopher or Webstore83. We all know the affiliation with a name like that. Big Masters fan. And Lindsay Dykus, um, does Ten's partner. Does Ten coaxed her onto the Patreon page after listening to some of our episodes? Supposedly it was our singing that got her on board, so you may hear some more singing. I think it's a staple now. On, yeah. Whenever we do a vintage retrospective and it's got a, tie, a cartoon tie-in or something, yep. I think a bit of karaoke is in order just so we don't, A, get slapped with a, uh, a, a liability uh, track. A, a copyright infringement. Yeah, that's right. And B, it's, a, it, you know, it's fun. It's, uh, it's all a good laugh so yeah no very good thank you very much for joining and thanks to everyone for tuning in to another episode of toy power we appreciate your support and for tuning in again to listen to us on that note we'll say a big thank you and we will see you in the toy aisles and until next time good journey you can find the toy power team at all the usual online places facebook.com slash toy power podcast at Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram, or have your say and email us, toypowerpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher, and please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome. We are a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network. Check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people. Want to learn more? Go to giantsizeteamup.com where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows. Well, they're not more awesome than us, but they're... Yeah. Oh, oh, oh.